We're happy to make podcasts available for selected ed webinars for your listening pleasure. If you'd like to receive a CE certificate, you must watch the video recording. Recordings and quizzes can be found in the EdWebinar archives. Please visit home.edweb.net slash podcasts for more information. So welcome to uh, EdWeb and Common Sense Education. My name is Jennifer Ehal. I'm the Senior Regional uh, Manager for Common Sense based here in uh, Chicago. And so I can relate to some of the folks out there that are cold. We are cold too. I've been with Common Sense a little over 11 years now. Excited to be here, former elementary educator. And I'm happy to introduce my two colleagues and dear friends. We have Bianca. Bianca de Jesus is here with us today. Welcome, girl. We are so excited. Um, she is our editor of learning content at Common Sense Education, so she knows all the tips, tricks, and gets to play with all these fun AI tools, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> good stuff. So we're excited to hear your thoughts and insights today. And we also have the wonderful Steve Garten, who is Senior Manager of Common Sense Privacy Program. So he's going to keep it as positive as possible. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, I'd like to tell you what I do, but it's private, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, without further ado, let's get started. Um, those of you joining us today, before you regist registered for this webinar, how familiar were you with Common Sense Education? We want to see who is brand new to us today. Welcome. We're glad you're here. We want to see who's familiar, very familiar. Welcome back, hopefully. We're glad you're here. Let's see where it's falling. Oh, today's falling around the middle of it all. This is great. Okay. Well, the those of you who are new, I think you're in for some really great information today. Um, give it another second or two. Final, final. All right. Thank you to those of you who are participating in our poll. We really appreciate that. Gives us an idea of where folks are with our with our resources and our content and our program. So good stuff. So let's get started. We are going to kick things off with who remembers similes and metaphors? Bianca, Steve, do you all remember similes and metaphors when you were in school? Of we're bringing course. them back today. We're bringing them back today with the help of Bianca and Steve. We created some similes um, using the term artificial intelligence, AI. And I would love to hear after we read through these, which one resonates with you? Um, if you have one in your own thoughts, share it in the chat too. There might be additional ones here, but um, artificial intelligence is like a master chef offering a dynamic or unpredictable experience. Um, B, Steve, you want to read B? I would love to. Artificial intelligence is like Netflix. It's fun, but we really don't know how the algorithm works. Right. And Bianca, do you want to read number or letter C? Sure. Artificial intelligence is like a science experiment. Uh, it can be, produce something great, but it can be dangerous if you don't take the proper precautions. Oh, boy. I mean, I don't know. I've been watching that chat and we've got a lot of C's coming in. 
<laughs> and please share if you have one of your own. This is really fun to do with students as well, or even your staff, as we kind of get warmed up with the idea of artificial intelligence AI. So thank you for participating. That was really fun. Um, let's get started then. I'm going to turn it over to Steve. He's going to kick things off with the privacy. Absolutely. Thank you, Jennifer. So let's sort of set the stage here by, by, by beginning with AI is really an extension of what came before. I think a lot of people think this is a brand new thing. And while the definition of brand new is always a very amorphous thing, it's really just an extension of what's going on. Back in the 70s, they had predictive technologies when you were doing those little courses on the mainframe computers to do that kind of thing. Um, they put laptops in school. Those were cutting edge technology. That was there when that came in, you know, to have this kind of thing. The predictive algorithms for what are you going to watch next on YouTube or Netflix or anything like that have been around for quite a while. And, and then even the call and response things of asking questions, Alexa and Siri Cortana have been doing this for quite a while. When those first came out, they were new and innovative and everybody was excited about it. And at the same time, everybody was worried about it, which sort of takes us to the second point. While we're generating the excitement, we also have the concerns of what's going on. And as you know, as you know, it's it's like, well, it, is this right? Is this going to happen? What's happened? What's going behind the scenes and that kind of things? And I think those are all valid things to think about. And like any new technology, what we need to do is remember that we've built the stage for this. We've built the stages to be able to use it effectively going forward. And we've built the stage to be able to address the concerns and, and the, the things that we worry about going through this. So don't think of this as something brand new. Don't think of this as something you have to rush in and take care of right now. It's just an extension of what you've already done. And then we're going to be, we're going to be able to, to, to deal with this just the same way that we have before. Because like all technologies, AI is an amplifier. Any kind of new technology that comes in, you will find that good teachers will become better by being able to use this. Unfortunately, the converse is also true. If you have some things that aren't working well, the technology will tend to amplify what it is. We first brought computers in the classroom. They had access to the internet. Good teachers were able to take that to an advantage and leverage all the good things about the internet. And then we had classrooms that were complete chaos because the internet was running over and taking control of all those things. So thinking of it as an amplifier, that's, that's gonna help, help you decide how to put it in, how fast do we want to install this, how do we want to make this, what do we want to allow, those kind of things as we're going through this. And your vetting processes haven't changed. The vetting process, the way that you approve apps, the process that you've gone through now, you've looked at privacy, you've looked at safety, you've looked at effectiveness, you have all these things in place. Those don't change just because the word AI is there. As a matter of fact, it seems like the word AI has now been put in front of everything. If it's an AI, you know, you go to the grocery store now, the cash register is now powered by AI. And you're like, well, what does that really mean? I think we're not even clear what the definition is. For today's conversation, we're really going to talk about the generative AI, which is really the one that's giving answers to questions as you're going through and, and, and seeing what's happening there. So when we're doing this kind of thing. Um, a couple of things that we need to be aware of going through is we need to be careful about what we're sharing. And that's not just with the AI, that's with everything else. When we're doing the privacy evaluations at Common Sense, we're reading these policies, we're looking at these things. The first thing we do is what data is being collected? And in this case, with the AI things, it's what you're putting in. So you need to be aware of what you're sharing because whatever you're putting in, 
you don't really know how that's going to be used. It's probably going to be part of what they call the training data, which means it will now be, it be used as something else that's out there as it's going through. Um, anything that you put in will come back, and that's why the recommendation is not to put in any personal information, any school information or anything like that, because proprietary stuff is going to get out. That's sort of what we've decided to do is, you know, we can't put anything common sense related because now that becomes part of the data set that goes out. And you'll find asking AI for answers, it will come up with some common sense things without mentioning common sense. And that's the danger of putting things in to do that kind of thing. Then you need to look closely at the data set that's being used to pull these responses from. As you're looking at this, if they're pulling from the entire internet, there's a lot of information out there that is incorrect, it's biased, it's offensive, it's everything else that's out there. So you need to look and say, okay, where is the information coming from that is generating these answers? And for me, as you're looking at this, any kind of response you get, you need to look for the source of truth. Most of the generative AI things won't give you a source of truth. They'll give you an answer and you say, well, where did you get this answer from? And that answer can't be answered by the answering algorithms and the other things that are there. So look at the training data, look what's there, and then be calm. All of these new technologies that come in, in education, we have things that hit us hard every day from every angle, everything's from wild curriculums and changes and everything else to legislative actions and, and things that are happening. But just relax. Remember, whatever your role is, teacher, administrator, tech, librarian, whatever you are, you're a professional, you do your job well, and you will continue to do that. The other thing that might help is, as far as the privacy things go, uh, privacy.commonsense.org is, is where we actually rate the privacy policies, and we have all of the top AI ones rated there for you. So you can go in and look at that and see summaries for yourself. One of the things that would be great to do would be to be able to read all the privacy policies yourself, but there's a time factor involved, and I know that you're, you're probably not going to be able to do that as you're going through so let's look at just a couple of privacy policies from examples to see what they're saying about the, the generative AI. So the first one is, and this is in the privacy itself. This is not paraphrased. This is the actual text taken from the privacy policy today. This is what it says right now. So the Google Generative AI Additional Terms of Service state, the services may sometimes provide inaccurate or offensive contact that doesn't represent Google's views. In other words, the policy is saying we don't know. It may be offensive. It may be inaccurate. We can't be responsible for that. And as a result, you want to use discretion before relying on publishing or otherwise using content provided by the services. Common sense, but it's actually listed in the policies here to tell you, okay, you are generating some answers, but it's up to you to make sure that you do this. And the final thing in this generative terms of service addendum thing they have here is don't rely on the services for medical, legal, financial, or other professional advice. Other professional advice, meaning teaching things, classroom management, all these other kind of things. Any content regarding these topics is provided for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for advice from a qualified professional. In other words, the cover your butt syndrome that they're putting in there where they're saying, well, um, don't use this for anything. And there have been cases out there where lawyers have actually used a, 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 an iterative uh, generative answer in one of their legal briefs and they've gotten in trouble for that because they weren't able to verify where that was from another kind of thing. So don't rely on these as you're going through. And being aware of this, it doesn't mean these aren't fun. It doesn't mean there aren't things that are crazy. And I know people have generated things and said, well, this was amazing. It did this thing right. Great, but make sure you're not relying on this service and you're using it as a tool that it is. 
Um, one of the most interesting things I found was in the OpenAI privacy policy, which says, a note about accuracy, services like ChatGPT generate responses by reading a user's request and, in response, predicting the words most likely to appear next. Remember, this is the policy. This is what it says. In some cases, the words most likely to appear next may not be the most factually accurate. For this reason, you should not rely on the factual accuracy to output from our models. If you notice the ChatGPT output contains factually inaccurate information about you and you would like us to correct the inaccuracy, you may submit a correction request through this link here, privacy.openai.com or to dsar at openai.com. Given the, text, the technical complexity of how our models work, we may not be able to correct the inaccuracy in every instance. In that case, you may request that we remove your personal information from ChatGPT's output by filling out this form. So what I get from this is, first of all, they're saying in policy, you can't rely on it. We don't know if it's accurate enough. And it's going to collect personal information from you. And it's going to use that information that other people are going to see. So you need to be aware of that when you're putting those things in. The other thing is, is that there is a, a, a process to request that they remove your personal information, but it's cumbersome and it's going to be difficult to do. So my advice to you would be be aware that these, these uh, generative AIs are, are saying they're, they're not accurate. Matter of fact, they have hallucinations and everything else happens that they even talk about. And they are collecting data from you. So be careful what you put in, be aware of what's going out, and then be responsible when you see what's going on. And then you'll, you'll, you'll uh, be able to do from there. The other thing is, is that just like with this is nothing new, remember the digital citizenship stuff that we've been working with forever. We've been, we've been, this has been one of our core things as educators. It's been one of the core things as common sense. And that was the five core dispositions of slow down and reflect, seek facts and evidence, consider other perspectives, envision options and take action. And this is the digital citizen perspective of someone who uses technology responsibly to learn, create and participate. That's been around forever. Well, let's take this extension to AI. One more thing. The five core dispositions do not change. Slow down and reflect, seek facts and evidence, consider other perspectives and vision options, take action. In other words, exploring AI's impact on the values, society, and well-being of your schools, yourself, and your students, and everything else that's going on to do that doesn't involve anything new. It just involves the same things that you've always been doing. So you're, you're going to be fine. Do the stuff you've been doing, but now apply it to AI, and you'll be ready to go on. And I thought I'd give you two quick examples of, of some people that have actually done something about here. Um, we're not endorsing these or anything, but we're just saying that for you to think about this and put something out there, here are some examples of things that happen. So the, Nat the National History Day um, AI guidance thing, they put out this, this uh, little flyer thing that schools can use for ways to use, either you may use AI. So they have some thumbs up for brainstorming topic ideas, brainstorming keywords to research topics and other things. And then ways you may not use AI. In other words, letting it create the project for you. Don't let it write your paper, develop your script. In other words, the plagiarism piece that you're doing about that. And you wanna make sure that you're doing the thinking and letting the tools help you do the stuff that you wanna do. Um, the other thing that we've got is we have an example from a district stance of Montgomery County Public Schools. And they put a statement out, which I think is, is pretty good. And this is what you need to think is, what would you like to have your statement out? Because everybody's saying, what am I doing about AI? What are you doing about AI? What's happening? So just to have something down. And their stance is, we believe that everyone, especially those who are likely to be disproportionately impacted by AI systems, 
because like any other amplifying technology, it does disproportionately affect certain groups of people, and we need to be aware of that. Should have access to the conceptual knowledge and skills they need to thrive as workers, creators, consumers, and citizens. This means not only understanding the importance and role of AI in the current and future world, but also learning how to be a critical consumer and analysis of content, both accurate and inaccurate, potentially produced by AI. To that end, AI literacy will be an important component of every student's education. And I really like this next line. Staff and student use of AI platforms is governed by existing acceptable use policies. They didn't have to write anything new. It's already covered by what they've got. And it's the same thing to do this. And student data privacy requirements. Additional policies and guidance will be collaboratively generated over the course of the upcoming year as needed. In other words, they're using the existing things just like when computers went into place and people freaked out and said, we've got to put in policies for our, our technology use. And you realize, no, you already have bullying policies. You already have things in place to govern behavior. Now you just need to apply that to what you're doing. And it's the same thing with AI. It's just an extension of what's going through. What you're doing now is working well and don't freak out about what's moving on, but pay attention and be aware of the potential things that are happening. And I'm gonna turn this over to Bianca now to talk about some of the other resources we've got going on. And welcome everybody today. It's great to be back on EdWeb. Awesome, thank you so much, Steve. So I am Bianca De Jesus. I'm the editor of learning content here on the education team at Common Sense. And I'm here to talk through how we vet and assess uh, AI tools. You'll be happy to know that it is not very different than how we rate and review any other tool. Uh, similar to what Steve is saying, we rely on the core things that we've been working on. Um, the only thing that's different is that these tools either incorporate AI or are straight up AI tools. So here I'm gonna talk about our learning rubric. We use a uh, research-backed 14-point rubric to evaluate the transformative learning potential of uh, learning media. Uh, so that's apps, websites, any tools that are used in the classroom. Uh, and so these are some of the areas that we look at. Just for some context, I know that some of you are, are new to Common Sense. Uh, what we do is we uh, take these educational tools, we assign them to reviewers who take a look at them. They actually test the tools out themselves. Then they send them over to the editors. Um, and we take a look at the tool again, and we give it a rating based on our experience using the tool based on various categories. So these are some of the categories that we look at. Uh, challenging customization, depth and rigor, agency and empowerment, data and reporting, and there's a bunch more where that came from. But these are some of the core areas that we're taking a look at to say, do the tools have these things in place? Um, and how does the, the tool stack up against these different areas? So how do we actually assess these AI tools for classrooms? So the areas that I just mentioned, those all boil down into these three buckets. So we have engagement, pedagogy, and support. So with engagement, we're asking ourselves questions like, is the level of challenge customizable or adaptable? So does the tool allow you to pick the levels that you're working at? Are there features in there that you can really customize based on students' needs? Um, then we're looking at the pedagogy and saying, are teachers able to create content that is rigorous for students? Uh, this is one of the questions that we ask, but there's a, a whole slew of them. And we're looking at it from both the perspective of the educator as well as the students. So, are teachers able to create that content, but also uh, is this content that is on par with what students are learning? And then you have support. So that's questions like, 
Are there help options like tutorials, FAQs, advice and blogs? Is there a community that you can go to if you have any questions? Also built into the support score is accessibility. So are there features that would help uh, make the tool accessible to a wide range of students? So we're talking about things like screen readers, closed captions, are those things uh, available for, for students? So here are some tips that I've gathered just for assessing those tools. So one thing to note is we do these reviews on our site. So for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, you can take a look at our, our reviews uh, that lay out all of this information along with the pros and cons of each tool, whether or not they're paid, uh, what grade level they support, and, and more information if you don't have the time to really dig into that. And then we have also best in class tools, which are tools of the same category that stack up against each other. So we may have things like uh, quiz tools, uh, interactive whiteboard tools. And as you know, there's a lot of tools in each of those areas. So which is the one that you need? You can take a look at our best in class for those. Then we have curated lists, uh, which are lists of similar tools. So uh, within that one that I'm really excited about right now, we have a list for tools that use AI. Um, so all of those tools can be found in that place. And then we have our common sense selections, which are essentially tools that have been awarded based on their learning potential. So you can find those there. Um, but if you want to do these uh, assessments yourself, here are some tips that we put together. So one thing is that your gut is usually a good baseline uh, for when assessing tools. And what that means is if you're confused when you're looking at a tool, it's likely that somebody else will be confused. If you're pleased when looking at a tool, it's likely that that'll be something that'll be helpful to somebody else. So you don't necessarily need to be an expert in all of these things, uh, but your experience going, the tool, going through the tool is likely reflective of the way that someone else would experience it. Then you wanna look at the tool from both the perspective of the student and the teachers. So uh, sometimes there's a tool that's really fun for students, but then it doesn't have the supports that the teacher needs to make sure that students are progressing through the tool in a way that makes sense. Um, on the flip side, you might have a tool that's really great for teachers and has a lot of those controls, but the students might hate it or it might not really be supportive to their needs. Uh, so you wanna make sure that you're looking at, at, at a tool um, from, from both of those lenses to make sure that it, it, it can be something that could actually be used in the classroom. Uh, another thing is to uh, decide whether or not the purpose of the app is clear from the outset. So by this, I mean, sometimes you'll go to a site for uh, an app or, you know, you go to download it on your phone and you actually don't even really understand what the purpose is. What does this do? How does it work? If those questions aren't cleared up within the first few minutes of looking at a tool, it's likely that, you know, there's not going to be a lot of good information there for you. Uh, it's not just you. Some people might look at it and say, oh, you know, I'm just not, I'm not familiar with this. This doesn't make sense to me. No, if it doesn't make sense to you, it's likely that that's the case for others. And so we wanted to give you an inside look at some of the tools that we've rated highly so far that use AI. Uh, we have Magic School AI here, Khan Academy, and Quillbot. You might be familiar with Khan Academy already. They have a new tool built into it called Conmigo, which is an AI chatbot, uh, which is powered by ChatGPT. So I'm gonna go through each of these in a little more detail so you can see the kinds of tools that, that we've rated well so far. And then here at the bottom, lessons and tools for teaching about artificial intelligence. Um, that's one of those curated lists and it'll have some more tools there and we're constantly building those out uh, with new reviews that we're doing of different tools. So good to check back there when you can. 
So starting with Magic School AI, for those who haven't seen our reviews, this is just the top line of what they look like. You have our learning rating here, which is um, a collection of what I talked about before. So your support score, uh, your pedagogy, all of that, and, and engagement, you can find that. That's what, what creates the score. And then you have uh, the community rating, which is a rating from people just like you who use the tool on the ground and, and assess it themselves. Sometimes you'll find that these scores are aligned, other times they're not. But just know that this, uh, this score on the left, this learning rating score is the one that is um, authorized, I suppose, by, by us. Um, and then here's where you can find the privacy rating right next to it for those who are listening. Um, on uh, Otherwise, uh, it's right here um, to your right. We have um, the privacy, privacy scores that Steve was talking about earlier um, that are going to tell you the things that you need to look out for. And then we uh, just, I saw someone in the chat say it's, it's important to be mindful of the grades. We have the grades there. We also usually um, have whether or not the tool is paid for or free, um, and then the subjects and topics that it covers. Uh, so this is where you can find the engagement, pedagogy, and support scores for the tools. Uh, this one, is, of course, is for Magic School AI. Uh, I'll read it for those who are listening in. So the engagement score here is a four out of five. With a clear design, it shouldn't be hard for teachers to get into the tool. The themed content generators cover a lot of ground, making it likely that teachers would find something useful. Uh, then we have pedagogy here, so teachers can enhance their materials and communications for greater learning potential, and it cuts down some of the busy work, so teachers could have end up with more time uh, for in-depth teaching. And then the support score here is also strong. Uh, there's an intro video that explains what Magic School AI is, um, what it can do, and how to use it, and once you're in, the navigation is straightforward. So taking a look at these areas, it's something that can save you time uh, instead of you know, going through the tool yourself and saying, you know, is it strong in these areas? We have all that information laid out for you. So this is what the tool actually looks like. Um, there's a lot more where this came from, actually, but these are many tools that exist within it. So here we have uh, multiple. So it's important to note that uh, Magic School AI is for use by teachers. Uh, it took us some time to, to realize that there are kinds of like two kinds of AI tools um, that you can use for the classroom. One is the ones that the teachers are going to use, and then one is one that, uh, you know, you would allow students into. This was something that um, teachers would mostly use just because of the types of content that it produces. So you have um, a multiple choice assessment uh, generator, report card comments. It can generate uh, YouTube video questions, informational text, rubrics, um, all types of information. So um, for the purpose of this discussion, uh, we're going to dig into this lesson plan generator just so you can see what that looks like. So it's pretty straightforward. You can input the grade level, topic standard or, uh, or objective, uh, any additional criteria, and then the standard that you want it to align to. So uh, for those of you who are intimidated by AI, this is one way just to you know get your feet wet um, and in a way that's pretty straightforward. Uh, I did a test run here. I said, okay, we're gonna do third grade poetry. Uh, the additional criteria, poems must include themes from nursery rhymes, uh, and these are the standards that I wanted to align to, New York uh, State English standards, just because I'm out here in New York, but you can do whatever you want. And so this is what the, uh, the AI generated. Uh, I'll give you some time to take a look at it. It's a lot of information, of course, but really it spits everything out. So you have the objective, the assessment, any key points, an opening, introduction to new material, 
um, what students can do for guided practice, independent practice, extension activities, homework, and then it tells you at the end the standards that are addressed. Of course, you don't want to take this and just, you know, grab it and use it for your classroom, but this is a really good jumping off point. And then I think about, you know, the, the educators in my family um, who probably would have loved to, you know, have, have a tool like this uh, when, when they were teaching. And Bianca, I wanted to highlight, um, remember, data in is like the data out. So whatever you're inputting is what exactly. you're getting. So you have to really be mindful about the prompts and the way in which you put it in, which I know you know that, but I wanted to reiterate because that part is so very important. Yeah, exactly. The most context, you know, the more context that you can add, the better. Yes. Um, and you can play around with it. You'll see if you tweak even simple words or or anything like that, it's going to come out with a completely different response. So, um, it, yeah, it's important to get yourself familiar with the tool, of course, before using it in an actual classroom environment. Um, and then even when you are using it in the classroom, make sure to yeah tweak it based on on your needs and and what your your class is doing. I always try to think of it of like what what is the with the end in mind. You know, what is my goal for this lesson? What do I want the call to action to be? What do I want to assess? Because then that sometimes helps with the pieces that I want to pull out to utilize. So exactly. it's a different way of thinking. It's not a new way, it's just a different way. And like that. Right. And there are also um sites that you can look at that have um information about how to write prompts and mm. and there's like a lot of support for teachers in that respect too so if that's something that you're interested in training yourself on you can do that too um, in addition to these tools these tools are kind of later on down the process um, once you're you know you're well versed in, in how to use AI uh, they don't necessarily teach you how to do that but that's something that that you can also I mean uh, pursue prompt engineering I'm sensing the next webinar Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> so um, here we also have Khan Academy. So like I said before, uh, it's powered by ChatGPT um, and generates lesson plans, rubrics, and assessments. So it's something that's a little bit similar to uh, Magic School AI in that sense. Um, but what's different here is that they have this Convigo tool that students can chat with um, that we've found to be pretty strong so far. Um, and I'll explain why. So um, here is an example of um, what Conmigo can do. So uh, you, and Conmigo, it's built into um, all of the lesson plans that are built in, that are within Khan Academy. Um, so I just picked, I think this is high school biology, um, but it works for any of them. Once you click on Conmigo, it gives you these three options. So you can click help me solve this, try a similar example, or you can ask something that students always want to know, which is why should I care about learning this? So for the sake of this, I put in, I, I, I clicked, why should I care about learning this? And this is what I got. Um, so Kamigo asks, what would you like to do? What are your goals? Um, so I said, I like to write. And this is what Kamigo said. So as a writer, you know, you can use this question uh, uh, to, or a skill rather to add details about whether in a story, does that make sense? So it's not something that's, um, you know, just you you ask it a question and it gives you like a very dry response. It's giving you a response that is re uh, um, aligned with the like creating more of a connection between the student and the AI. Uh, then there's another example here. Um, I just asked a random question that a student might ask just to kind of throw it off. Is climate change real? So it says, uh, yes, climate change is real, but let's focus on this exercise. So something that Comigo does is reroute the students back to the question in a way that teachers would. But I thought that was something that's pretty cool, um, that it kind of 
changes based on uh, the behavior of the person asking the questions, um, which is which is pretty nice to have. And in this exercise with Conmigo, yeah. I just put a plug in for the foundational pieces of digital citizenship, because as you were talking through that, all I could think about is like critical thinking, you know, getting students to critically think about the stuff that they're reading after putting, right. you know, prompt in. Um, right. Is it true? Right. And in some cases, lateral reading comes to mind. And that's like news media literacy, even though you are embedded in a platform such as Khan Academy, Camigo, you still have to be mindful of the output on right. anything. So just like to reiterate how a lot of us are teaching these skills already for digital citizenship purposes. And so continuing those existing habits and routines and the skills and dispositions in your classroom are certainly showing up and shining really well here in a lot of these tools. So I guess my excitement around it is it's not necessarily the tool, right? We can do all kinds of fun things with tools, but it's about the way in which we are ethical, safe, responsible creators. So exactly. Love it. I love it. I agree, Jennifer. And I also think that this is an example of using the tools. Like my example is autocorrect. Autocorrect is a wonderful thing, but sometimes autocorrect just does the craziest things. And if you don't really pay attention to your output and your input, um, you can send some things that you were like, oh, that's not what I meant at all. And I think this is the same thing. So great, great, great examples, Bianca. I love this. Awesome. Great. Thank you both. And also feel free to jump in at any point um, as I'm going through these to add, because um, I think it makes it more interesting as well. So then we have uh, Quillbot, which is the third one that we were looking at. Um, this is an AI platform, an extension that supports the entire writing process. So this is a little different than the first tools that I described in that it's an extension that you can kind of use as a co-pilot as you're writing. Um, and this is for grades 10 through 12. Um, and here are the engagement pedagogy and support scores if you're interested in that. Um, so the engagement here is really high. I'll explain why. So it says writers will feel supported as uh, while they work as the AI continuously analyzes the text and offers real-time suggestions. So it's something that's built into something that you're already doing. It just makes that a little bit easier. Um, so, so that's one of the really fun things about Quillbot. So here's just one example of what it can do. You can, just like we were talking about with the input and output, um, you can input information and then decide how you want it to be changed. So do you want it to be uh, put into bullet points? Do you want, uh, there's a summarizer here that you can uh, summarize the text in a longer way or in a shorter way. Um, and yes, all of that is helpful um, just in terms of like general understanding but it's also great in terms of accessibility and language learners that you can put in information and actually like, uh, you know, scale it up or down based on grade level um, or, or vocabulary. All of that is really useful, um, not only to teachers, but to people who just want to learn different material, which is the whole reason why these tools are being used. Right. Um, there's a plagiarism checker here, translator, a citation generator. Um, that's something also uh, that this tool does really well. I know that people are concerned about citations. Um, so that's something that that Quillbot does in a way that's really helpful. Uh, one bonus tool that I wanted to mention here uh, is uh, the AI Education Project. So a little bit different than what I descri described, which are tools that can be used within the classroom. Um, this, I mean, this can also be used in the classroom, but this is a step 
before those tools, which is uh, exactly what uh, Jennifer was talking about, teaching about how to engage with these tools. So it's teaching about how to use AI, not only using AI itself. Um, and there are some really cool ways that the AI education project is doing that. So they have these AI snapshots uh, that are 180. The last time that we looked at it, it's possible that it's changed so far, which just to mention, a lot of the tools that we look at, uh, that we've looked at today, change by the hour, literally. So some of them are, are creating, um, you know, a better user experience, better design, all of that uh, changes pretty, pretty quickly. But for this, um, the AI snapshots are 180 uh, five-minute warm-ups that you can do with your uh, students to just kind of get them primed around um, digital citizenship and, and the ways that you can begin to think about AI. Um, this is one of the standout things that this tool does, but it also has a curriculum and a bunch of interesting information there. Um, but this is what the AI snapshots are. Um, and it's this, uh, it's an assortment of classroom warmups that can give your students a basic understanding of AI with only five minutes of class time. So they can learn to define, identify, and think critically about artificial intelligence. And these are, are, are already built into slides that you can just pop on in front of your class. Um, and it's like a really low bar to entry that you, again, don't need to be an expert to know. Um, it just kind of gives you prompts for discussion. Uh, this is how you can use it in the classroom. You can start with the intro warm-ups, and then you can actually select the subject that you're teaching. So for people who are like, oh, you know, AI is interesting, but it's not related to what I'm doing in my classroom, you can actually decide uh, what subject that you want it to uh, cover, and it'll give you the snapshots that relate to what you're doing in the classroom. So that's a really cool part about it. Um, I'll pass it over to Jen in a sec, but just want to end by saying, um, I guess the... The, it all boils down to the fact that you want to take a look at these tools in the same way that you've been looking at tools already. It's something that we do if you want a shortcut and if you want to do it on your own, you have the tips that we presented uh, earlier on in this presentation. And thank you for listening. Over to you, Jennifer. I mean, if anything, just pick one of these and start with it, right? You don't have to do it all. Just pick one. But the other thing that stood out to me with these three tools are it really engages all learners. And I say all with all capital letters, right? Like I've seen so many um, success stories coming out of special education classrooms, you know, where they're engaging students in ways that they never could before um, with the learning. And so there's just so many ways that our, the strategies are reaching students um, in, in, in a good way, right? Inspire, inspiration. Um, I guess, again, used right, <laughs> used in the right context. But um, Bianca, thank you so much. I, I mean, all three of these are super great resources. Um, when we think about this last bonus one, the AI EDU project, um, it kind of ties into what we're going to talk about next. And that is the um, new lesson collection from Common Sense Education around AI. And in my um, experience so far, we're, we're seeing that we're still sort of in those early stages of the adult learner, right? Educational, you know, educators learning, principals, administrators, uh, thought leaders, decision makers are really trying to wrap their head around what is it, how does it work, practicing with it, which is great. And I do think that the um, AI EDU project offers a lot of those resources for professional learning. Um, I felt 
that they were helpful for me when I went through it. So if you're in a position now where you are tasked to sort of build those stakeholders in your buildings, get a team together to sort of lead some of these AI um, initiatives and getting people excited about AI and how to use it, they have a lot of great resources to get started. Um, our new lesson collection, you can see here, there are, I try to like sort of group them into different um, categories. So that first one is the core concepts. This is where you have just the basics. What is AI? How is it trained? And then also understanding the bias. I have showed the AI video to numerous administrators and they their first reaction is, oh my gosh, I need every one of my staff to see this. I want every one of my staff to listen to this video. It's under, what, three minutes, quick and easy, and it just gives you the... Uh, I know we can we know what AI is. We know, you know in our own mind, but this kind of puts it into perspective in words so you can actually explain it to someone else. So love the video, sparks conversation around some of your staff development, you know, days and, and moments. The next box there is social emotional dimension. So how um, AI bias impacts our lives, AI chat beat chatbots and who's behind the screen and are they really my friend? Um, and then the AI in everyday life, you know, so the algorithms play a big role in our life, right? And the social media and how things are fed to us um, and how we're consuming things on our devices and in different social media platforms. Um, AI uh, content moderation, the facing off with facial recognition, and then plagiarism. And so all of these lessons are around 20 minutes, uh, quick, easy activities to get conversations started and to really teach not only your adult learners and your educators, but also meant for students, right? And so once we get to that point where students are using and learning and uh, contributing to AI um, lessons and conversations, these are really great quick activities to build some of those habits with AI. Um, and some of the things we need to think about. So we went ahead and shared the link to our lesson collection. Um, great stuff to get started. So make sure you check those out. And then we, I just put together a slide here of additional resources. We're not going to go through them all, but there's videos that talk about ChatGPT. There are some family resources that are helpful for your family portals or however you engage with families. And then some lessons and articles for educators, um, including just getting started, what to know, general um, information. So go ahead and make sure you grab our slide deck because you'll be able to access those links there too. So your next steps as a call to action, we invite you to think about some of the AI um, tools that we've shown you. If you haven't gotten a chance to explore them, we invite you to explore them. Um, we also invite you to kind of explore some of our literacy collection, our media literacy uh, that's been existing forever and it's refreshed and quick activities. So if you need to refresh your Digit Foundation at your school, that would be a really great place to start and then sort of um, scaffold with the AI literacy as well. Um, and then set goals, right? These Nothing has to be done overnight. This is a work in progress. We're learning new things every day. And I think if you just keep going and learn what you can when you have the time to learn it, um, you're doing all the right things, right? We have to kind of just in, in, embed this in our, in our daily lessons and, and try to see what works and what doesn't and being mindful of making sure it's um, ethical, safe, responsible, 
are always top of mind. Anybody have any questions that we, I think we really kept up with the questions in the chat. So Jennifer, I think I'd like to take one. I did see one that said, okay. how, can I, how can I find where the AI is collecting their information, their training information, all that kind of thing. Um, right now, that's typically in the privacy policy and the terms of use as you wade through, they're changing radically. Some AI people now have what they're calling cards now, which says what's being collected. It says what the training data is. And then they're also listing what the, what the dangers are if the answers are correct and what the dangers are if the answers are incorrect. Who is actually harmed by correct answers and who is harmed by incorrect answers because both of those are things there. So hopefully the standard going forward is for every AI will have a card that you'll be able to easily address this information. Right now, that's not a standard thing, but you can find in the privacy policies where that happens. Um, like I said, Common Sense has evaluated the policies for you know the top 10, top 15 AI tools, changing radically, and we'll try and keep up with those published. So if you do want to go look for any specific tool, you should be able to see in, in our summary, it should talk about those issues that are there. But mostly it's wading through those policies, and we're trying to help you out by doing some of those because... Frankly, reading privacy policies all day is not a lot of people's idea of a really good time. Although I have to admit, I really like it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I did see a question come in about AI EDU offering training. And I do believe they have webinars that you can sign up for on their professional learning page. I did see some of those sessions. So they do offer some of those. I'm not sure if anyone else has anything. Uh, I've only been familiar with theirs, so I'm not sure if anybody has any hunt other ideas there. Um, good. Any other questions? Thoughts or concerns? All right. Well, if you love what you heard today, we offer all kinds of fun tips, activities, quick quick lessons, hot topics through our newsletter every Tuesday in your inbox. So we invite you to subscribe to our newsletter. Um, really great way to kind of stay in the know of what's going on at Common Sense and beyond. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bianca and Steve. Your insight, your expertise is so valued, especially not only with me, but this community. And so we appreciate you taking the time today to educate us on all things privacy, vetting, what to look for, listening to our gut, right? We love um, finding those little tips to make life a little easier when we are going through some of these new ways of learning and new tools. So appreciate you both so much. Do you have any last minute or last words uh, of I, wisdom? Yeah, I just like to say thank you again, Jennifer, for having both of us on. And just your, what you've been doing is right. Just continue doing what you're doing. You know, vet your apps the way that you're doing them. You're going to be fine. Keep calm. Any new technology that comes along, there's excitement with it. And then there are challenges too. And we'll work out both of them. So thank you so much for listening today. And thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you all for joining. And thank you so much, Jennifer, for putting this all together. Of course. Thanks, all. See you next month. We hope you enjoyed this EdWeb podcast. If you'd like to receive a CE certificate, you must watch the video recording. Recordings and quizzes can be found in the EdWebinar archives. Please visit home.edweb.net slash podcasts for more information.